Welcome to the Bella Woodsman. Um, I'm David. With me is Jeff. Hey, and Justin. Good evening. So uh, this is February. So we're close to um, Valentine's Day. So it's time to talk about relationships, which we'll get into more detail about in a few minutes. Um, but uh, I just want to tell you guys real quick. I'm not sure what you guys have in mind for your significant others, but uh, I was thinking about thinking about getting my wife a uh, what I call a Berkeley bouquet, which is going to be a uh, a flaming bag of dog feces on fire with a rock thrown through her window at work. Um, <laughs> I figure that'll be a uh, romantic gesture she'll appreciate. Um, you guys have anything special going on for Valentine's Day? I'm Not a thing. Not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things we kind of, uh, I usually forget about until like about two weeks ahead of time. But uh, anyway, so we're going to kind of uh, talk about relationships in a minute. But first we have uh, a couple news stories I want to talk about. Um, I was looking at CNN.com, um, and this story's been all over the news, of course, but uh, just this is the first story that I pulled off of uh, off of Bing, and it's talking about a uh, – it was a mystery for a while about a military convoy going north, and it passed through Louisville, and it made local news in Louisville first, and then it went national, and it was uh, this military convoy of some kind with a big Trump flag flying from the, uh, from the back of one of the vehicles. And it turns out that it's a bunch of Navy SEALs. And uh, I'm not sure about you guys, but when I first saw that, I thought this is either a bunch of um, rednecks, yokels, or this is uh, a Special Forces unit. Um, what about you, Justin? Uh, my first thought was the SEALs. Really? It, it makes sense. I, absolutely. Only because I, I, I knew that they stayed in Shepherdsville when they're in town for their for their Fort Knox training. Um, and that just, and looking at the vehicles, it wasn't like a, just a regular Humvee. It looks more like one of their, one of the ones they have done up. And it just seems like something they do. And they just really, really kind of don't care or follow the rules all the time. Yeah. And it just seems like something, you know, a very seal thing to do to me. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking that once I heard it, I wasn't really surprised by it. Um, there's the Hatch Act, which I don't know a lot about. You probably know more about this than I do, Jeff. Uh, but the, I think that prevents military personnel from being in uniform and displaying bumper stickers or T-shirts or any of that stuff, I think. Uh, what do you think about it, Jeff? Um, I don't know. I mean, I saw uh, initially, and, you know, my first reaction was, yeah, it's probably the guard or something. I, I don't know. I, I really didn't pay much attention to it. Um, you know, uh, military flying, a, um, you know, presidents, a Republican president's flag is, I don't know, I, not really breaking news, I, I thought. Yeah. I remember when I was in uh, when I was in Twenty Nine Palms, I used to wear a Bush Cheney O four T shirt around all the time, mm-hmm. and no one ever said anything to me. Um, so I'm not really sure what the rules say. But uh, what was really funny was kind of the freak out reactions from people on Facebook and social media who thought that this was some kind of right wing paramilitary white supremacist group that was 
you know, driving military vehicles around with a Trump flag. But um, I think it speaks overall to the the military's um, attitude, you know, I think, towards the new, new commander-in-chief as opposed to the old one, I would think. Um, well, sure. I mean, is it a bad thing that they support him? That doesn't mean that they're going to go outright, you know, if he said take over Louisville, it doesn't mean they're going to go do it. But I supported Bush when I was when I was in. Yep. I probably wouldn't have liked Obama when I was in, but no big deal. What's what, I don't have a problem with the military supporting the president. And I imagine when the question of the SEAL said, what flag? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I guess, I mean, I, I understand why the rule's in place, um, and I'm sure there's going to be some sort of reprimand involved here, but I'm not sure what it will be. I mean, because they're SEALs, they can pretty much do whatever they want. Uh, in my experience, you know, uh, I have a limited experience with SEALs, but I do remember the recon guys that, that I worked around, and they pretty much did whatever they wanted. Um, that famous line from Black Hawk Down, you know, this is my safety, sir. Um, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but uh, anyway, another big story. Um, <clears throat> we had talked about this a little bit in our previous uh, podcast. Um, and it goes right into our theme of relationships, um, is the, uh, the news, and I was reading an article from U.S. News and World Report, where they quoted the commander of 1-8, which is the first gender-integrated infantry battalion. I'm sure they'll put that on their, their, their standard at some point, some kind of streamer that says that. But, it'll be on the next challenge coin they put out. Right. Yeah, it'll have, uh, it'll have the, uh, uh like the Prince logo on it, you know, with the little circle with the cross underneath it. But um, um, the uh, commander, Major Anklin III, um, has in- indicated there won't be any special accommodations made and filed this under, uh, we told you so, months ago, you know, um, or years ago, where everyone said this was going to happen, that, you know, there's not really any outrage just yet because there's only three of them. Um, but, you know, it's like... Uh, what what do they? I mean, I'm not sure what why this is even news to be honest. Because what did you expect? Did you expect the infantry to just build little shacks for these ladies out in the field to go live in while they were not training? You know, what do you think, Jeff? Uh, I mean, I, I posted a little bit about it on Facebook. Uh, I mean, of course they're going to screw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know why 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 beat around the bush? You can't put two you know 18, 19 year old people. Uh, in the same shelter half, and you, what'd you expect was going to happen? Come on, guys. I mean, yeah. of course they are. Yeah. I mean, it's so so. I mean, you know, don't don't act shocked and surprised when, uh, you know, when it happens. Yeah, I mean, and you're going to have people that are like in the, um, you know, in the prime of their youth, you know, and most of, and these in these infantry marines are mostly in, in really good shape. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be. It, it, of course, there's it's going to be terrible things. You know, it's going to be sex that's going to, and that's going to inspire jealousies, which is going to hurt morale. Uh, Duncan Hunter is quoted here, who's uh, <clears throat> maybe my favorite representative. I met his dad when he ran for president a few years ago. Uh, he's quoted as saying this. He says, if you're going to have sex, you're going to have love, you're going to have relationships, and it's going to overly complicate the command structure. You think? <laughs> and, you know, and uh, one of the good things I think that's coming down the pike, it seems to be that the, uh, the notion that we're going to stop doing this experimentation with uh, with the infantry. What do you think, Justin? I think it's a great idea. What could go wrong? <laughs> like you said, you got a couple of 
bunch of 18, 19 year olds out in the woods sleeping like a big camping trip. Yeah, perfect. And and, treat them all equally too. And, I, and something else I've noticed. I'm not sure if you guys have any 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 friends of yours that were in the Army Infantry. Um, I have one friend of mine that I knew, knew in high school when I lived in Colorado, and um, he told me that, or he said something on Facebook about how it's not a big deal, blah, 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 and I, I, I talked to him about this, and I was like, how do you expect, I mean, if you're going to be a female infantry man, woman, whatever, uh, you got to be ready, I think I've said this before on the show, to poop, sh- shower, shave, all that in front of a bunch of other dudes, and that's part of the life. And this guy was an infantry officer in the in the ar- army, and he was deployed to Iraq. And he told me that situation never arose once when he was in the infantry. And I was like, Am I, I'm not sure how where, what kind of training you guys do. Um, I, you were there with me, Jeff. We we went four months roughly without a bath. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> pooping, doing all of our stuff, our business right out in the open, like right. The only the only females around were the locals and the the Iraqi ladies, and they were always hidden behind their their walls and their veils and all that, so they never saw us. But you know, I can't imagine, and I can't imagine that it's going to be good for morale to be riding around men and women who have not taken baths for four months. That's part of war. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you remember the the first shower that we actually had? Uh, it was after we'd gotten up to uh, Baghdad, um, like we were in the north part of Baghdad, and the NBC guys set up that little NBC decon thing. I do remember uh, that. I mean, yeah, right out in like in the middle of the little courtyard there, mm-hmm. you know, no walls or anything, and we just you know showered there, like yeah. you know we were bucket naked right there in front of everybody, just taking a shower. I remember that well, and uh, that was at Baghdad College. Yes, it was. Um, and um, I remember, I'm not sure, I don't think I even used it because by the time it was my, I think I was out on patrol. And by the time it was, we came back, it was gone. You know how things are there. Like they just come yeah. and go. But they had already left by the time I got back. But we were, you know, doing our business in slit trenches. Yeah. Right out in the open, you know. Um, and people sometimes don't believe me when I say these things, but that's just part of, so yeah, that's, and that's, that's part of the life. I think people don't understand that. Like that's the one thing that that people have a hard time comprehending about life in the infantry is the uh, how how rough it can actually get. Um, and after a while, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm really. I'm sure there are women out there who can do this. Okay, who can who can who can hang in there and and and, and do all that. But it gets down to the 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 idea that you, it's it's so terrible for morale to and, and like like. Duncan Hunter said it's going to mess up the command structure. And this is what was, if, if Don't Ask, Don't Tell was a little more, uh, was controversial, but less so, just because, I mean, for me, the issue with Don't Ask, Don't Tell, what was so politically brilliant about it was it allowed people who were gay to serve as long as they kept it to themselves. And I always said if they're going to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, they should probably not extend that to the combat arms. Because for, just because you're going to have if you have relationships with, like that in the field, it's going to mess up the morale. It's going to mess up the command structure. Any other thoughts, guys? No, I mean I'm pretty sure that you know at some point in in my ten years I probably served with you know a gay person, but I I, I have no idea. Uh, we we all said that this one guy was gay. He, <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he 
<laughs> he, uh, he he always was buying see-through shower curtains for his roommate, but uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. Relationships. Um, yeah. But well, you, do you remember, speak, speaking of, <laughs> remember? Uh, I think I think his name was Captain. I think was that the guy who 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 was uh, in our unit who was ended up coming out gay, and he went on. Um, he ended up being some kind of advocate to repeal the nasty hotel, but. Uh, I think he, he, that wasn't the guy. Did, did he get blown up? Uh, one of the DPICMs. He did, and he got he his, went on. He went on Oprah. Yeah, he was. On, he got his purple heart from the president. Went on Oprah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was him. He always had that. He was a real short guy, and he always had that real gravelly voice. Uh, really good guy. Like I, 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 he was really good to work for. But like, uh, he came out. I forgot out. Came out gay and campaigned against Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which. I don't know. Whatever, you know. Teach their own, I suppose. I had one of those in my unit too. We all knew that he <laughs> hit it well, and then he ended up on CNN. Really? When he got out. Oh yeah, one sure of, did. One of those happened. And the dude we thought we thought him and another dude were getting it on, and they ended up <laughs> together afterwards. So we, uh, you, you know, when you know, you know. You knew. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's just funny to me, like, uh, you know, when I was in the uh, uh, there was this Navy. Um, Doc that used to come give us briefings sometimes, and this guy was, uh, I mean, it was so clear, clearly obvious that uh, that he was gay. Like, he would give us these briefings, and if you ever have been in a room full of infantry marines during a briefing, you know we don't take any of it seriously. And they were all, like, everyone's kind of playing grab ass and acting like idiots, and he would always, like, wag his finger and say, don't go there. Don't go there. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, inviting ridicule from all of us. But, but he was actually, but he was used to it. So he was actually, you know, cool about it. But anyway, so. Well, who's, do you remember the RP that we used to have? The, yeah, uh, used to have? Good Lord. Do I remember him? <laughs> In Okinawa, right? Yeah, the guy who thought. Yeah, we. The guy who wanted Hulk Hogan to run for president? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We called him Arpu. He carried around a little Winnie the Pooh thing on his backpack. I mean, RPs are kind of weird anyway, but he, he was sort of. He was out there. He had the easiest job in in the military. I'm convinced. Um, I remember uh, somebody uh, got a noose together and hung the uh, Winnie the Pooh from like uh, the rafters in one of the barracks. And he, he came in there and like screamed and like I heard that it was uh, like ear piercing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like what? What? I mean, I don't know. He was he was uh, questionable. I never heard from that guy again. Orton was his name, I think. I think I shouldn't say that on 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 the. Uh, We're gonna get sued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> well, I, was, I didn't realize we had what RP was, and I remember sitting and talking to him one time about that, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we just help out the chaplain, and we make sure the literature is uh, fully stocked." Mike, so that's like a thirty-second job. What else do you do? Just help the chaplain out, and like doing what? And then I thought maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. You are listening to The Bellow Woodsman, celebrating everything Marine Corps, from the serious to the absurd. This podcast is powered by Simplecast. Please like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Bellow Woodsman, and send us your thoughts and reactions via email at thebellowwoodsman at gmail.com. Now, on with the show. And we're back. Um, so, um, being the theme, relationships being the theme here, um, I kind of asked uh, asked 
you guys to come up with your best relationship stories when you were in. And uh, I thought of two. I thought of a couple, actually. And um, But uh, I guess I'll start off here. Um, and the uh, the one that always jumps out at me, and I can't use any names here because um, the people involved might actually listen to this someday. Um, but um, there was a guy in our unit. Um, I'm jumping right into this. But there was a guy in our unit who uh, dated this the age of the internet was just dawning basically and uh, we had uh, dial-up access in our rooms and uh, this friend of mine colleague had uh, started an online relationship with this really wealthy girl in New York uh, New York State uh, she went to Syracuse she was um, she was had tons of money and uh, this particular marine had a car that he had bought from a dealership out in town for like 70% interest, you know, when he first got, like in the first week, he was in 29 Palms. Um, and he, it was all broken down, and he's behind on his payments, and she offered to um, take the uh, vehicle off his hands. Or take it, but take it, take it, or if he dropped it off at a shop, she would pay for the repairs, and she would help him catch up on his payments. Um, well, in the midst of the car being repaired, he broke up with her, and she called the shop and shut down the, the repair work, Stop paying for it, basically, and then the uh, car got seized in a, in a uh, mechanics lien. And we were like, "Dumbass! Why, why would you break up with someone fixing your car in the middle of, of fixing your car?" But that's not even the best part of the story. Um, there was a habit in our unit of trying to um, like uh, always be assholes to each other in a way that was that was loving and caring. Um, and uh, this particular girl started dating online with somebody else in our platoon. And the only reason he was dating her was because he wanted to really uh, invite her out to the Marine Corps ball just to piss off, you know, the first boyfriend. And he did just that. And he brought her out for the, for the Marine Corps ball, <laughs> sat at the same table as, uh, as this guy, and, uh, and then and proceeded to milk her for all of her money that she had. And um, But, yeah, that was a kind of uh, – that's probably the funniest story that I remember from my, or most, I guess the most involved and in-depth, uh, funny story about relationships. I, got, I have another one I'll tell in a minute, but uh, what were you thinking about, Justin? I, I don't have anything specific, but I will never forget these guys that were so hell-bent on getting out of the barracks and living out in town that they'd find them a dependipotamus to marry, have a contract marriage with, and then they end up falling in love with these people. And it's just, it, you know, between that and the strippers these guys would, would uh, would end up in relationships with it was it was astounding to come into work and hear just what their stripper girlfriend or their dependipotamus had pulled for the day and how they were never going to break up. <laughs> I, 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 it's amazing. Well, and like um, the uh, you know, there's a lot of benefits to come with being married to a uh, member of the military, Benny's. Um, mm-hmm. And um, get a shop at the Big PX. That's right. That's right. And uh, I guess. There, there was a, one of my the guys that shared shared a suite with. He actually was seriously looking at. He had some money from his family, you know. He was actually considering getting a mail order bride from Russia just to get out of the barracks. Um, he had the catalog and everything. What about you, Jeff? What do you got? Well, I got a couple stories. <clears throat> All right. So uh, back in the days before cell phones, uh, you know, we had the landlines uh, in our barracks rooms, and all our barracks phone numbers were sequentially numbered. Uh, so I'm sitting there one Friday evening, 
Uh, basically, the barracks has emptied itself, but I don't have any money, so I'm not going anywhere. So I'm sitting there with a Domino's pizza all by myself, and I hear, you know, down the line of rooms, you know, ring, 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 you know, gradually getting closer, ring, 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 and then my phone rings, you know, ring, 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 and uh, it's I pick it up, and it's this chick, and she's just dialing the random barracks numbers, and she's like, hey, I'm at Motel 6, you know, room whatever, whatever, come here now. So uh, <laughs> me, me and a buddy get in his car, and we go. And um, it, she's she's there. Sure enough, she's a she's a double amputee, and uh, <laughs> as, as we're as we're walking out, two dudes. Or as we're walking in, two dudes are walking out, uh, and and I'll leave that story right there. That's, that's a good place to leave it. Well, I'm, so, I'm, yeah, that's the the Motel Six in Twenty Nine Palms. Yeah, they used to call it the Motel Six. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For good reason. Um, uh, somebody else, I forget who it was, uh, somebody, um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name drop. Some, somebody had started dating a, an adult, uh, film star. And, and I, I don't know if I, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you offline, uh, the, the, the names and details and everything. Uh, but we were in cat platoon and, and this girl became known as the cat platoon call girl because I'd say at least 90% of the platoon, um, had their turn. Mm. Nice. Yeah, we had. Uh, well, it's funny. It was. It was. It was. It was like I said, the age of the internet, and um, it was all. It was on new and fresh, and no one knew how to use it. And uh, we had. Uh, I think somebody in, in the platoon had set up this meeting with a girl out in in town. Um, he'd set up a meeting with this girl out in town on, online, and uh, he had taken along somebody else, and uh, he was supposed to. Uh, what happened, the way it worked was they were meeting her at this community center out in, like, Yucca Valley or Joshua Tree somewhere. And guy one was going to walk into the establishment, and then guy two was going to sit in the car and wait for her to, to show up and walk in and then call and say whether he should bail or stay. <laughs> and, uh, and apparently she showed up, and uh, the, the guy in the car got on the phone and yelled, Abort, abort! And because uh, she was like 300 pounds, you know, as many of them were. But uh, that apparently did not stop the uh, the one that was in the establishment from uh, continuing on with that relationship for at least uh, through uh, through the uh, ejaculation, at least. But uh, yeah, that was. And also, there was something else. There was the payphone that was sitting payphone sitting on the decks. Those would ring periodically, just randomly. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the rats out in town calling in to try to, I guess, land somebody. Yep. Um, I guess, I guess, think it's it's the. I mean, the barracks was such a horrible place that the length people would go to. I knew one guy, you probably know who I'm talking about here, Jeff, um, who got married, and she came out for about a week, and then turned around and went right back to where she was from, and he kept the the house for like another three years, <laughs> with uh, no one living there with him. And uh, a bunch of the guys from the Barracks moved into that house, <laughs> and it became the party house. Um, yeah, good times. At the time, actually, I was actually my wife now. We were actually dating long distance. And uh, so we would talk on the phone all the time. Of the, It's weird, like, of the relationships that of the people who were married when I was in, I want to say all of them are divorced, I think. Except for the ones I, I don't have contact with, which is very few. But the ones who were married when I was in, I think all of them were split up. 
I guess I shouldn't say that. There's, there's a few that ha- now that I'm thinking about it, there's a few that are still married. Uh, but of the guys that, of the group that I came in with, there were probably maybe that were that were the boots like me basically that were um, in my platoon. Maybe four or five of them who were married or got married while they were in, and all of them were divorced. Um, so I guess it's hard for relationships to survive outside of that context. But uh, I told my wife we should have gotten married while I was while I was in because she could have gotten the benefits of you know military life without actually being in. So um, anybody else got another story? Mm. I had a gunny that that bought a wife. Oh from really? The Philippines would be. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure did. That's a common phenomenon even outside the military. Like I've known a bunch of guys yeah. who've done that. Um, yeah, they're still together too. They, they, they didn't they didn't break up once uh, once he got out. They're, they're friends on Facebook and they're they're together all the time. So good for him. What were we saying, Jeff? Oh no, one of the guys uh, and you know who he is. Uh, he was in headquarters platoon when uh, when we were in Iraq, and then uh, he got married. I think probably about a month or two before. Uh, he got his base housing all set up and everything, and then uh, all the y'all that were getting out came back, and he had his uh, <laughs> he had his base house and his bank account cleaned out by the time he got back home. Yeah, that's a right. that's not an uncommon story. Yeah, um, yeah, that was what was that was the thing about Twenty Nine Palms was that there were no females around except for the ones who were either married or the ones that uh, were at the comm school, and I remember when we one of the things we they briefed us on when we first showed up was that the uh, the chicks at the comm school were off limits. You know, don't go near them. Um, because if you if you get into a relationship and you marry one of these these chicks, it's it's gonna like ruin your your career basically. When I when I went back to Twenty Nine Palms, uh, our barracks and this was really weird for me was all the way up at the top of the hill, um, and they were all the way up against like the. Uh, uh, the headquarters battalion, uh, like the Pogue barracks, the super Pogue barracks, yeah. like the people who were, you know, permanent personnel of 29 Palms. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so there were females and stuff like that, like living in the barracks right next to us. And, you know, female, females aside, like uh, the weapons company guys would just absolutely terrorize the Pogues. It was, it was awful. I felt <laughs> bad for them. I mean, they would, you know, wing beer bottles at them and it would. <laughs> Like nonstop, PMO lived up there. Yeah, I remember uh, the night before we went to Kuwait. Um, that uh, yes, the, mm-hmm. remember that the story. There, were, I think yep. it was it was it was a sergeant that I talked to all the time still, um, who tackled a he tackled I think PMO. PMO was out there on yeah on the deck. He didn't know who it was. He was on duty and he choke slammed PMO. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> yeah. He got locked up the night before we deploy. And yeah. uh, I think the command had intervened to get him out. But like, he was doing the right thing though, because there was a uh, there was something going on. I'm not I'm not sure what was going on. I remember that. I remember a rock. See 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 what had happened. <laughs> uh, we we were the first ones in Seventh Marines to deploy, and we'd gotten our desert camis first. Right. And some of the guys in Javelin's platoon uh, went to the barracks behind our barracks, which was one seven and started talking shit to them. And because we had our desert cami, so obviously, you know, we were so much more salty. So, uh, they came down and, uh, you know, hilarity ensued and then PMO showed up and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Well, um, I, that, that, in fact, that whole week leading up to that was real surreal and we're kind of off topic here, but, uh, I don't care. But, uh, the whole week leading up to that was so surreal because we had desert camis, 
and they didn't have name tapes on them. Yeah. Um, and I remember they were optional. If you wanted to take them out in town and get the Asian ladies to put them on there for you, you could, but I, I didn't bother with that. Um, but I remember going to the dentist before we deployed, and there was some sergeant in there who was sitting there just eyeballing me from across the room. And uh, he came up to me, and he was like, why don't you have name tapes on your on your camis, Marine? I'm like, well, they're optional, sergeant. And he was like, bullshit. He's like, what unit you in? And I told him, and he said, I'm going to go find out about this optional name tapes. He's like, you go right ahead, buddy. Uh, and, uh, and by the time you get an answer, I'll be in a different country. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, well, more more of this discussion later on. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, now to uh, we'll go ahead and do our memorial moment from Justin. What do you got for us? It's February second. On February second, twenty thirteen, Chris Kyle, the Devil Vermati, the legend. Was, was killed. We're going to remember Chris Kyle today. Okay. Uh, God knows how many Marines' lives were saved because of this guy and his gun. Um, he he absolutely took care of the people on the ground, took care of the people in his unit. He was a warrior. Um, he deserved better than what he got. But uh, Christopher Kyle was born in uh, in April, born on April 8, 1974, and he passed away February 2nd, 2013. And uh, he was a SEAL. He wasn't a Marine, but that doesn't really matter here. Um, he served, I think he did 20, I forget how many years he did. He didn't do 20 years. He did, he did, he served several tours though. Um, 10 years actually, 10 years of service. Um, and he was an amazing, amazing, amazing example. And, um, like I said, I don't know how many lives were saved because of, because of the actions of, of Chris Kyle. So, say, remember you, Chris Kyle. Yeah.